from Studio One at the Worldwide Headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. I truly love opening every hour of our show together with some dramatic statement that sets up what we're about to talk about. Sometimes it's simpler than that. Sometimes it's just two words. Coaching matters. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Y'all can hang out with us on the 888 on the ESPN, you know, on, on the phone number. That's how it works. You can hang out with us. <laughs> <laughs> Usually there's a whole bunch of stuff there. There isn't. Triple uh, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Coaching matters. And Harry, I, it, it hit us both watching the games this weekend. If you talk about the play, playoffs, the first thing you're talking about is experience. And we talked about the quarterbacks that seemed to be more comfortable as the game went on and how the moment seemed almost too big for some. But there were also plenty of coaches in the playoffs that hadn't been there before, that had you scratching your head through the whole game, cough Dolphins, that had you scratching your head on the strategy throughout the entire thing. And it was a reminder that there are just some coaches that need to get a little bit of, uh, like, they need to get this experience before they're ready for this moment. Yeah, I thought it was three, actually, coaches, to be particular, uh, Fitz. And, you know, the first one being Brandon Staley um, and his decision-making, especially within the offense to not rush the football more in the second half, knowing that you went into halftime with a 27-7 lead, a 20-point lead. I just thought some other little intangibles, other little things in that game as well from a coaching standpoint could have been better. Now, when I look at the uh, Miami Dolphins versus the Buffalo Bills, and you look at Mike McDaniel being a first-year head coach, I thought getting the play call in could have been a lot better. And it wasn't just, you know, late in that ball game on that fourth and one situation that we've seen uh, that a lot of people touched on. It was throughout the entire game where the play clock is running down and, you know, the play calls just isn't getting in fast enough. Now, you're dealing with a third-string quarterback, uh, understandable, but as a play caller, you got to get those those plays in faster because I thought they the timeout situation really hurt them at the end of the football game. Now, when we move to the Jacksonville well, wait, Jaguars... Wait, wait. I'm, I'm going to dial in real quick there, Harry, because mm-hmm. you just mentioned something that's really smart. And in my mind, how often do we turn around and we look at, at the rest of the team and we say, man, help your young quarterback out. We look at a wide receiver and say, man, you got to catch that ball to help your young quarterback out. We look at the defense and say, you got to be perfect to help your young quarterback out. I don't think it's unfair to say the coaching staff should have anticipated communication better because there were so many times that even on the broadcast, they're screaming, not going to get the playoff, not going to get the playoff. There were several times the clock hit zero. For anyone that doesn't know, when the ref sees the clock hit zero, they then are supposed to look to the snap of the ball so it's okay for the zero to hit and then the snap to happen but it felt like there were so many times that they were playing with fire with that not just late in the game but throughout the whole time the coaching staff didn't help them there now also one more play from that same game I thought it was a third and 19 situation and the Dolphins had the football backed up at their own eight yard line now I thought in that instance of the ball game that's when the Dolphins were up 24 to 20 Right, And the Bills' offense had been struggling up to, the, up to that point. They had to fumble for a touchdown come out, coming out of halftime. They had went six plays and had to punt the football. They had went three plays and had to punt the football right after that. So the previous three drives, your defense had stopped the Buffalo Bills you know, from going down and scoring a touchdown or kicking a field goal. I thought they put 
Skylar Thompson in a bad position on third and 19. It's okay to hand that football off and say, you know what, we're going to bank on our defense and punt. He threw an interception trying to throw a goal route into cover two, tried to hit a hole shot, we call it a honey hole, and got it picked off. And that's when the Buffalo Bills at that time went right down in five plays and scored a touchdown, and now the game is a different ball game because of one decision as a coach, you put your third-string quarterback in a bad position during that football game. So what's that spot that he was trying to put it into? Honey hole, baby. Is that, is that all you just say? You go into the, the, the huddle and you're like, hey, HD, honey hole time. No, 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 no. You, you may call like, you know, <laughs> you may call all go, but if if, if you may all say to your guy, honey hole. you may say it's all go, but if it's cover two, you, he may tell the outside receivers, hey, I may try to thread it in the honey hole. And, and, and we know it went, once it's in cover two is you got two high safeties. You got the corners taking away the flats. And you see it a lot from guys like Tom Brady. They throw a honey hole shots. Justin Herbert throw a lot of honey hole shots because, you know, their arm, arm is strong enough to get it there. But I just thought it was a moment where they should have just handed the football off. But instead, they, they let their quarterback, third string at that, throw the, try to throw the ball in a honey hole and got it intercepted. Okay, so to be clear, sometimes it's all go until you thread it into the honey hole. And, okay, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just checking. Uh, but no, Would I, you I get hear off you. this? I, <laughs> I hear you, though, AC. And, like, I think this is one of those moments where so often, and, and I, again, I'll go back. What, what am I, what am I going to know about standing on a football field? But I certainly talked to a lot of people that did, right? So, like, this is the moment where the more, the more guys I, I talk to, like you, that played the game at the highest possible level, the more I'm constantly reminded of the concept of live to see another down, right? Like, just, just don't put yourself in the wrong situation. The old adage, you know, take what the defense gives you, eventually they'll give you the game. Sometimes the best play for quarterback is a sack. Sometimes the best play for the quarterback is just a, like sometimes the best third and 18 is just to hand the ball off, get rid of it and be like, look, we'll try again next series. And like, I think fans sometimes get just so boiling over, over that. Like, well, you never even had a shot at it. Well, uh, down and distance matters at different times. Right. So like it yep. just, it just comes down to understanding the, the entire, uh, the entire situation and where we are in the game, the context of everything happening as it happens. Now, also, I, I, another game I want to touch on when it, when it came to coaching, on the bad side of things, I, I want to look at the Giants and the Vikings game and Kevin O'Connell, right? And early on in that game where you had a – I think it was a third and short and you decided you want to run a trick play, which is basically built for man coverage. Uh, but the – you know, but the – the New York Giants came out in zone coverage, and Adore Jackson, the corner, made a hell of a play on Kirk Cousins when it gave Justin Jefferson the ball and he threw it back to Kirk Cousins. I, I, that early in games, it's just like college football when you've seen the Michigan versus the TCU game, and they tried to run the Philly special early on. Why? Do you not believe enough in your offense to the fact that you got to run a trick play that early in the game? Normally, if you want to want to run a trick play, you try to do it, you know, a little later in the ball game when you know you think it can possibly work. Not that early in the ball game, so. I, I didn't think that was a great decision. Now, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna mention you know coaching on the great side, same game, but you flip it over to Brian Dable, the fourth the fourth down. They were two for two on fourth downs. Those calls and you know putting you know Daniel Jones in a hell of a situation. And those guys ran a play that I ran when I was in the league. We call it all cross when you know you got man coverage right and you have your back in the backfield and you know it's going to be man, and you have two or three receivers to either side of the football field, and you run all of those guys across, right, knowing that the linebacker has the running back man-to-man. So now the, the linebacker is going to get caught up in all that traffic, and Saquon Barkley just comes out the back door scot-free wide open, and he runs a, a, a hell of a long ways for first downs. 
uh, because of that play. Just a great job by Brian Dable. But also, you look at Doug Peterson in the Jacksonville Jaguar game from opening up in the second half and understanding that you got to go tempo to the two-point conversion that they decided to go for. And I think he went for that two-point conversion because his mindset is that if we do miss it, our offense is thriving enough in this second half that I have confidence that they're going to go down and score a touchdown if we don't make this two-point conversion. You know, and, then, and then the play calls, and then that fourth down play call. My goodness, Dougie P. As, oh, my God, it's Rayshon Jenkins call him Dougie P. Dougie P was showing up and showing out. Uh, to that end, when you talk about Dougie P and the Jags, I keep thinking about the fact that the Jags managed in that game to do the one thing, to not do the one thing, I should say, that the Chargers did. The Chargers got tight. And late in the game, the Chargers yeah. got tight. The Jags just kept turning the football over early and never got tight. It's amazing to me that the team that was watching their season just crumble apart stayed calm, cool, collected, never had any anxiety about it. It was like, yep, we'll get them next drive. We'll get them next drive. We'll get them next drive. They dug themselves in a hole and they never pressed. And on the other side of it, it felt like the entire second half was one massive press by the Chargers. Fitz and Harry brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. And it just speaks to that, Harry, that like at some point, what we've seen this year, we've seen a handful of coaches that have re-energized their teams, right? And we've seen a handful of coaches that have been able to get more out of less and that have just completely changed the way their franchises feel about where they're headed. But those coaches still got to maximize every single moment. There are great coaches in Mike McDaniel that everybody's in love with, rightfully so, that may not have had their best day for a Dolphins team. And, And I saw some people on Twitter afterwards saying, like, what'd you expect? This Dolphins team was down to a third-string quarterback. Yeah, I know that. But what what do we keep saying about tonight? It's not how you lose. It's who lost it for you, right? Mm -hmm. So at some point, I keep looking squarely at every single coach, and I'm saying the same thing to all of them. Are you making your players better? Man, I'm trying to tell you right now, Fitz, when I seen the New York football giants run that play all cross. Because we used to run it when I was in Tennessee with DeMarco Murray, and it was open every single time when we got man coverage. I wanted to jumping up and down and pointing at my TV. Oh, I know what that is. I know what that is. That's the play all cross. Just, I mean, the hell of a job by, by Kefka and also by um, Brian Dable, offensive minds and guys that putting their players in great positions, but also, you know, dictating on what the defense is going to play and what could potentially work. So I, I was just excited. I was like a kid in a candy store, man. The lesson that we've all learned is sometimes it's better to go all cross than it is to try and stick it in the honey hole. How do the Cowboys block out all the noise and focus on tonight's test against Tom? Advice from a Hall of Famer is next. ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, Fitz and Harry. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Sometimes the moment does get a little too big for people. Tom Brady lights up in these opportunities. We got some players on our team where the moment's not too big. Everything that you do is for these times and for these moments and for these games, and it's going to be a war, and we're exactly up for that.
When Super Wild Card Weekend was announced, all eyes went to one matchup. One matchup with bigger brands and bigger drama than any other. One matchup that could define the future for the losing franchise. That matchup is tonight on Monday Night Football. It's the Dallas Cowboys. We'll head to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. And you can watch it on ESPN, ABC, ESPN2, ESPN+, Plus, ESPN Deportes. It's everywhere. And in fact, you can watch the uh, digital pregame show across all of your ESPN social medias. I'll be hanging out on that as well, getting you ready for Monday Night Football. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Really quick, though, because I had the opportunity. It was a few years ago. I went to the AFC Championship game where the Titans were facing um, the Chiefs, right? And the suite I was sitting in, right beside it was Sweet. the broadcast mm. in Spanish. And I need to tell people, it is so phenomenal. I was so geeked up because it, it, it just sounded so amazing to me when people made plays and the way they were screaming and carry on. So that ESPN Deportes, don't sleep on it now because it, it, is, it is something to hear, I promise you. Yeah, you're not wrong about that, the level of excitement that comes across. And we're in a matchup tonight where, frankly, two teams that, at least from the outside looking in, could have a ton of pressure because the loser of this matchup is going to have to make almost immediate decisions about what their future looks like. And realistically, you've got a Tampa Bay team that I'll use the words Rex Ryan is old and slow taking on a Cowboys team that is supposed to be very good, but just frankly hasn't. And so we asked earlier, we asked uh, obviously Tony Dungy, Pro Football Hall of Fame coach, we asked him earlier uh, if, if uh, if the Cowboys need to block out the outside noise and this is what Coach had to say about that. I think there absolutely is. And to me, that's probably the biggest problem and, and what they have to face and, and get through tonight. They've had a whole week of people telling them how terrible they've been in the playoffs, how they never can get it done. You're a good regular season team, but you haven't done it in the playoffs. This is all that matters. We'll see what happens. And they aren't facing that in Tampa. You know, what they're hearing is, Hey, can can we get it going? Can Tom Brady do it again like he always does? And so I, I think that's what Dallas has to do. Forget that this is playoffs. Uh, just go out there and play a football game. Can that even happen, Harry? Of course they can. Um, they just got to put everything together. And I'm a, I'm a date back to last year when they lost the playoff game to the San Francisco 49ers. And you know Michael Irvin, you know I think he was on first take and. He kept mentioning the stars have to play like stars. You know, just because you have the star on the side of your helmet doesn't mean you're just going to go out there and beat people. So when I'm looking at this game, I'm looking at Dak Prescott, number one, because he's supposed to be the leader on the offense. I'm looking at those two running backs who a ton of people are so fond of, and Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. C.D. Lamb coming into the season, can he be that number one guy? Amari Cooper's no longer there. He's lived up to that hype. Now the playoffs have started. Can C.D. Lamb be that dog? Her, her, her. Can C.D. Lamb be that dog tonight? You know what I mean? Can Dalton Schultz, can he win his one-on-one matchup? But then when you look on the other side of the ball, can guys like, you know, Micah Parsons, who a lot of people said is the, the new coming of Lawrence Taylor, can he make three or four game-changing plays that decide the outcome of this, of, of this ball game? Can Trayvon Diggs, can he get a pick six? Can he get a turnover that propels this team to a victory? The Stars got to play like Stars. Right, not just because you have the star on the side of your helmet, 
Because if that's in your DNA, you should be able to do it when these lights turn on in the playoffs. So that's what I'm looking forward to tonight. I'm also looking forward to seeing what they do defensively with Parsons because the argument can be made over the last month or so that he's been a little easier to find, that uh, it's been a little bit more predictable where he's coming from and how he's lining up, right? Like, So what are the Cowboys able to do to disguise that? Because you you know who you're taking on. I, the thing I'll say about Brady, that, uh, look, there's nothing left to say about the man and his work. You also know that you're taking on somebody that's brilliant in football terms, right? So you know you're not going to do much that will trick Tom Brady. So the question is, how do you make him uncomfortable? Moving Parsons around, forcing the offensive line to account for different coverages or or different protection schemes, I think allows the opportunity for Tom Brady to get at least a little uncomfortable. If the Cowboys can do that, maybe they can force some mistakes. Like You're not just going to beat Tom Brady because he makes unforced errors, typically. You're going to have to do something defensively that impacts that. So for a team that is, according to Rex, you know, old and slow, you yep. still have to account for the fact that you're going to have to bring heat different ways so that Brady starts feeling a little uncomfortable. If you just sit back there and let him dissect what's happening, he's going to destroy you. So I, I think it takes some creativity from Dallas to get this done. Well, yes, because when you look at a guy like Tom Brady, who's been playing the game for 20 plus years and has been phenomenal at dissecting what the defense is going to do. Now, I think it's going to be a test matchup between, you know, the offensive mind of, uh, Byron Leftwich and also the defensive mind of Dan Quinn and moving Michael Parsons around different places, but moving him around more so that if he gets double teamed, now guys like Demarcus Lawrence has to win this one-on-one matchup. He has to get off. You're right. Dorrance Armstrong, Anthony Barr. Now those guys have to win their one-on-one matchup and create pressure. I think Ryan Jensen being in this ball game is going to pay huge dividends. And a lot of people don't understand it. The center position, especially when you have a veteran guy that can control the line of scrimmage and blitzes and a lot of things and make a lot of points um, at the line of scrimmage, that's huge for an offense. Now, Tom Brady, he does a lot of those things and more so this season because of the loss of Ryan Jensen. But when you have one, more, one less thing as a quarterback that you have to you know, put on your plate because you know you have a veteran guy that's been there and done it and seen everything, that's going to pay huge dividends in this ballgame. But the chess piece between Dan Quinn and Byron Leftwich is, okay, where's Micah Parsons? Because the mindset of offensive guys coming out of that huddle, you put up each week game records, right? The game records that I'm going to put up for the Dallas Cowboys defense is Demarcus Lawrence, Michael Parsons, and Trayvon Diggs. So if we're going out in this huddle as an offensive line unit, as a quarterback, as a running back, especially when you have to protect, the first person you need to look for is number 11. Where is he lined up at? And in practice all week, you have a guy on scout team with the number 11 jersey and in a lot of different looks that the Dallas Cowboys defensively could possibly do. So you always want to declare and always know what Michael Parsons is on the football field and go from there. I think it's obvious to all of us at this point the Dak needs to be cleaner with the football. We all know that. And I don't know if that can happen. We'll find out tonight. The one thing that I do also think in this game, though, is that some of that pressure for perfection from Dak can be taken away if the Cowboys' defense is capable of playing the way it did two months ago. Mm-hmm. The last month, the Cowboys' defense was not who they usually are, Harry. But if they can force a couple of turnovers, instead of just relying on Dak to play perfect, clean football— I think this defense can step up, and I think they'll have an opportunity against Brady and these wide receivers to be able to assert their own dominance. But I also think it's also the mindset of Dak Prescott understanding that, hey, you know what? I don't have to put everything on my shoulders. Just make the plays that I'm asked to make. Survey the field in the correct manner. Don't predetermine where I'm going to go with this football. Let the coverage play out and then deliver a strike. 
Yeah. I think that's the mindset that Dak has to have coming into this game. And Kellen Moore needs to, needs to establish the damn run. Run the damn ball. I don't care mm-hmm. how often it doesn't work. You keep doing it until it does. I, I just it, It's going to be a wild game. You can see it across all of the ESPN platforms. That's ESPN, ABC, ESPN2, ESPN+, Plus, ESPN Deportes. It'll be literally everywhere tonight on ESPN. You don't want to miss it. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. back to throw. He floats it toward the end zone into a crowd. Incomplete. The Bengals are heading to Buffalo. I think everybody at halftime knew that that that's not an unexpected way for that game to be 10-9 at halftime. We're in a great spot. We got great leaders in the locker room. We have the utmost faith in each other to go and make plays to win the game. What's going through your mind that Sam wanted to play? Run faster, Sam. One of the wildest things about social media is how quickly, whenever an athlete gets injured, suddenly we have doctors everywhere. And everybody's giving their opinion on what somebody should do. And that's happening right now with Lamar Jackson. So maybe it's time to set the record straight with somebody know, that knows better than anybody. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz hanging out with you. And our Wolfpack grows by one with our buddy Robert Griffin, the third ESPN football analyst, joining us. RG3, I'm going to start you with a tough question. I'm going to put you on the spot right away. I want your response to Mike Vick, who yesterday said Lamar Jackson should have just put on a brace and played with the sprained PCL. Well, guys, thank you for welcoming to the show with such a hard-hitting question already off the bat. I love it, Fitz and Harry. Uh, Listen, uh, everybody's injury is a little bit different. I think my experience speaks for itself with what I went through playing with no ACL or LCL, you know, for my brothers in 2012 uh, in that playoff game against Seattle. And hindsight's 2020. So if I could go back and do it all over again, I wouldn't have played because the smart move and, and the longevity move would have been not to play in that game if I wasn't 100%. And I was very far from that. So if Lamar Jackson is injured, which he says he is, which the team says he is, then he shouldn't play. There's a difference between being hurt and being injured, right? When you're hurt, hey, your hamstring's a little sore. You know, you got, you, you got a bruise on your arm. But when you're injured and it starts involving knees, joints, and ligaments, that's a whole nother story. And you guys know this, uh, especially Harry. When you go into a season and you get injured, you never come back at 100% in that same season. So for Lamar Jackson to go out there and be the Lamar Jackson that we love and we know, he needs to be – near or at 100%, and he wasn't there, so I do not fault him for not playing. He made the right decision. And RG3, that was my whole thing from the moment Lamar Jackson got hurt because the way he plays the game and, you know, how he uses athleticism to maneuver and make a lot of people defensively look stupid on the football field and his acceleration once he hits a hole and the way he creates for the offense for the Baltimore Ravens, A PCL is not just no minor injury for a guy like Lamar Jackson. First of all, it's not a minor injury for anybody, but a guy like Lamar Jackson and the way he plays the game of football that relies a lot uh, on his athleticism, I just didn't think it was a smart idea for him to go out there, period. Yeah, and Harry, you're 100% accurate about the PCL injury. Now, I didn't have 
that PCL injury. But it's not even that Lamar relies so much on his legs. It's the fact that the offense relies so much on his legs. They build everything around his ability to be able to move, whether it's running and throwing or with the quarterback powers and jet sweeps and counters that they like to run that we saw Tyler Huntley run for almost a 40-yard gain and a touchdown uh, in the game against the Bengals. So I think all those things together let you know, hey, we're only talking about this right now with Lamar because he doesn't have a contract. If he had a contract, everyone would just be saying, oh, he just must not be able to play because he's injured. But because he doesn't have a contract, now people are bringing other things into the conversation, which I think is just completely wrong. We're talking to RG3 ESPN football analyst on Fitz and Harry. So let's stick with that contract side because you know the business side of football. Both you guys do. That's why I love talking to you all about this stuff. So uh, now if we're in a situation where coming into the season, Baltimore says, well, we're not comfortable guaranteeing money because of injury. And Lamar says, rightfully so, I'm not comfortable not having the money guaranteed. Uh, This only seems to grow that divide. Is there a way for them to all come back together in your mind? Well, Fitz, I, I think there's there's a little bit of a of a discrepancy in what may have taken place in those negotiations. I don't think the Ravens are are afraid or unwilling to guarantee Lamar money because of injury. I think they're unwilling and afraid to guarantee Lamar uh, a full contract because they went through with Joe Flacco. Remember, Joe Flacco went into his last year before he won the Super Bowl, and he bet on himself. Well, they won the Super Bowl. He's Super Bowl MVP, and the Ravens paid him out the wazoo. Well, they feel like that really hurt their team and their ability to build pieces around Joe Flacco for the next five, six, seven years. They don't want that to happen for Lamar. So it's not that they're not willing to give him a Deshaun Watson contract. They just feel like giving him a Deshaun Watson contract is going to hamper them from being able to build other pieces around him, which every single show we go on, Everyone talks about how the Ravens haven't put any weapons around Lamar Jackson. Well, the Ravens feel like, hey, if we go out here and we pay him all this money and we don't have anything to build the pieces around him, then they're still going to continue to say that. And we might be in a Joe Flacco type situation where we can't go out and compete to win Super Bowls because we gave all of our money to one guy. I can't be talking to a quarterback and not ask about tonight's game. We've talked about it all day. You're obviously going to be on Monday countdown. Uh, uh, Educate me here, RJ3. Uh, RG3, uh, Dak, I keep hearing that his issue is reading the field, right? Like he's making the wrong reads. How do you fix that in a week? <laughs> Listen, just say this. He's a great quarterback, so anyone who says he isn't, you need to get their eyesight checked. Now, for him and his decision-making process, I still think this goes back to his thumb injury, guys. Whenever you watch Dak throw the football now, it's almost as if he's laboring. A lot of the balls are going are, are nose-diving towards the ground. And when he tries to make those pinpoint accurate throws where he's got to cut it between two defenders, more times than not, he's coming up a little bit short and a little bit off. So I think they have to lean into the running game more so in this game and really for the rest of the playoffs until Dak can really find his rhythm back. You know, you see him in the pregame warmups doing the, uh, doing the Dak where he's popping his hips and everything. Well, right now, he's having trouble gripping the football. And I know he won't admit that. But as I said, when you get hurt in year, especially when you have an injury like he did to his thumb and have to have surgery on it, it you're never going to come back 100% in that same season. So I think this has more to do with the physical than it has to do with the mental. I think his mental is ahead of where his physical is right now, and that's what you're seeing with all these interceptions. Man, I say it to you every time I see you, you are absolutely crushing the game in college football and in NFL coverage. We really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for the education. Thanks for hanging out with us, brother. 
Hey, appreciate you guys, and congrats on the new show. You guys are awesome. Thanks. It's RG3 hanging out with us on Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. Get a business insurance quote online in as little as six minutes. Visit ProgressiveCommercial.com. It's something that RG3 just mentioned. Dak won't admit that he might have an issue. You'll hear what Dak had to say about his turnovers. We'll do that next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This is Fitz and Harry. We used to practice it Saturday mornings in our walkthroughs and stuff, and I had a, a little package. You had a little, little package? Did, little did they know. Harry Douglas was, got a little oh, package? At that time, I had a little package. <laughs> I'm all grown up now, baby. I'm all grown up now. <laughs> I think Evan Producer has now quit this show. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Just tell them, hey, play ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. It's interesting because we were just talking to RG3. And if you missed it, you can go check it out in the podcast. We were just talking to Robert Griffin III. And I asked him about Dak seeing the field differently. And he made it very clear that Dak hasn't looked right since he hurt his thumb. He also said in his response, Harry, Dak's not going to tell you that. Well, there is audio of this. Dak Prescott, Cowboys quarterback with Michelle Beisner-Buck, was asked specifically about his turnover issues. Check this out. Take care of the ball. Um, We've got a great plan. I feel very, very comfortable with the plan, obviously with the playmakers that I have around me, uh, and just understanding the risk versus reward, Um, knowing the tight windows, knowing the defense that I'm playing against, very athletic guys that can move sideline to sideline. Um, and just be smart with it. Um, not even thinking about turning the ball over or even having um, mistakes of any, of any sort. Uh, and I just think that comes from the preparation of the game plan and the work that we've put in. Are there any lingering issues with that thumb injury from that surgery that might be contributing to this uncharacteristic play that we're seeing? Absolutely not. Mm, HD, you buying it? Oh, man, this, this, is, a, this is a tough one because... <laughs> I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't want to go against his word, but, you know, sometimes when it comes to injuries and certain things bothering, you know, athletes, and I was a former athlete, and there was times where people may oh, ask me something, something bothering me, I would tell them no. So, but then there were times where, you know, things were bothering me, and I'd tell them yes. So, but, I don't know what side of the spectrum Jack Prescott is on right now. Um, I just know going into this ball game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he's going to have to be, number one, confident. Number two, he cannot turn the football over. And number three, feel like the world isn't on his shoulders. And I understand that those things are probably hard to, you know, to probably, you know, dissect. But that's the position that Dak Prescott is in right now. They're not going to win this football game if he turns the football over. Now, the flip side of this is that Kellen Moore, I think, has an opportunity to put Dak Prescott in the best positions possible. But you also got to remember that when you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their defensive line, Akeem Hicks is a guy that – the Buccaneers brought it over this season, and he was injured most of the year, came back late. Vita Vea is a guy that can disrupt the game. You look at the linebackers in David, um, and you look at the guys in the secondary, you got to pick your poison and where you can, you know, get the best of this football team from a defensive perspective when you're looking at the Buccaneers. 
and just pick your spots when you want Dak, you know, to show that he's more than a Cooper Rush. You know what I mean? You got to pick and choose your spots at that moment as a play caller. I think everything else should be on the table. Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard have to be phenomenal in this game. I also think the offensive line, they're going to have to be difference makers and be able to provide that balance so Dak doesn't have to throw the football 40-plus times a game or even 35-plus times. I think once you start to get into that range – now, granted, if you have to do that, you have to do that. And against the Philadelphia Eagles, the run game wasn't there, so they had to throw the football a lot, and Dak Prescott had a pick six. But he was the reason why they won that football game too because of his arm. And I think Kellen Moore has to utilize the legs of Dak Prescott, put him in a position to where the defense has to be honest because he's a threat rushing the football on zone reads and just – you know, rolling them out, utilizing his legs outside the pocket and naked and bootlegs. Whenever you have an aggressive defense, you want to, you know, get out on the edges and, you know, play a little bit on the perimeter. But at the same time, they have to run the football effectively and find ways to get Tony Pollard the ball in space because he's a dynamic playmaker. I just I feel like in a moment of truth, we all know great athletes never want to make excuses. So even – and I'm not saying he's lying about the health like, at all. I, I think you're right. Like, you got to take somebody at their word with that stuff. But also we know great athletes aren't going to sit there and let an excuse like my thumb hurts be a reason, right? So it, it makes it really hard when you hear him say, nope, not at all. I, I don't know if that's nope, not at all, or if that's I don't want – I don't even want to go down that road. Uh, like, I, th- this is just how I'm playing. This is how I am right now. Now, we do know that, obviously, with this game tonight on ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN+, Plus, uh, it is time to get a little pick in by way of this. It's a team, man. It's a team. One guy can't do it. It takes all of us. ESPN Radio's Pick'em Challenge. All right, you guys know what we do. We pick the games against the spread. Cowboys favored by two and a half at Tampa Bay. Harry, I like Dallas in this matchup. I'm on Like, I know everybody wants Tom Brady, the story, to be the reason that uh, Tampa Bay wins a football game. And I know we're never supposed to bet against Brady. Let me be clear. I'm not betting against Brady. I'm betting against the other 52 guys. Like, for all of the conversation, and let me oversimplify for a second. Everybody tells me, oh, Brady can will them to a victory. How often did that work this year, considering they have a losing damn record and they're in the playoffs? Like, it's not, I understand the playoffs are different, but it's not like Brady's out here mailing in week 12. Like, it's Brady. We've seen him break more surfaces than he has anything this year. Like, we've seen him be wildly angry on the sidelines. Why? His team's not good enough. And his team's not good enough to get this win. A more talented roster, top to bottom. Uh, actually, I cannot believe this. I'm saying this. I even trust the Cowboys coaches more than I trust the Bucks coaches. I'm not sure that Todd Bowles has shown us anything this year Ooh. to believe that he deserves that level of trust. The only person on the entire field I trust on the Tampa Bay side more than the Dallas side is Tom Brady. And one does not outweigh everybody else. So I'm taking the Cowboys in this. Well, not me, my friend. I'm going to take Tampa Bay. What? Uh, and also Tom Brady. Yes, that's who I'm going to take because I believe in Mike Evans, who's had a 1,000 yards every single year he's been in the National Football League. I believe in Chris Godwin, another season over 1,000 yards receiving as well. I believe in playoff Lenny. They call him playoff Lenny for a reason, right, because he likes to show up come playoff time. I just think that the Dallas Cowboys are going to make some mistakes, whether it's offensively and defensively, 
and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on both sides of, of the football are going to take advantage of it. That's how I feel in this game. And I can't bet against a guy that wears number 12. And it's part of the reason why I'm sitting here on Fitz and Harry broadcasting to all the listeners. Because, yes, that's who I lost to my last game of my career. And I was crying like a damn baby in that locker room because I knew it was my last game. I, I was up in the air about, you know, still playing. But Tom Brady... Thomas Edward Brady is the reason why I'm here with y'all right now because he ended my career when we went to Foxborough in 2018, that playoffs that year. Mm. Uh, by the way, for anyone keeping track over the weekend, I picked 49ers minus 10. That's a win. Picked the Jags plus two. That was a win. I lost on the Bills minus 13. I, I don't know why. Uh, and yeah, then the Giants, the Giants plus three. That was a win. And I picked the Bengals minus seven. That uh, turned out to be a push. So 3-1-1 yeah. one, and one for the weekend, H.C. Feeling pretty good? Yeah, we're feeling pretty good. I thought the doggone, without Lamar Jackson, I thought the Bengals were going to win by 50. Yeah, you remember that, that one? Uh, a lot Say of it credits. one more time for the people. Say it for the people. 50? 50. 50. 50. All right. I, I, I don't know what was happening with the Bengals, but Joe Burrow does, and he joins Candy and Carlin next. You don't want to miss it. Harry and uh, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to three Eastern on ESPN Radio, and you can watch on the ESPN app.